are starting a new series called Cheat Codes, and I'm very excited about it. Um, I grew up playing video games. I don't know if you did, but I had a paper route when I was 12. Um, and uh, I had that for about three or four years, and I would get tips as a paper boy. Um, now it's a car, but I used to ride around on a bike, on a BMX bike, on a red Webco BMX bike with snake belly tires. The tires were yellow, and I, all my money that I'd get from my, uh, uh, my paper route, I'd put into that bike, and then I'd use that bike for my paper route. All the extra money I used on video games, okay? So I would stop off at the video game place, and uh, I played this game called Galaga, uh, and uh, I don't know if you play it. If you're in Garden Grove and you would like to play Galaga, they have one at the uh, Steelcraft, um, there's a little arcade there, and if you go and play, good luck. You'll see PJ as the number one score. That's me. Yes, 54 years old, I can still rock Galaga. My son got Galaga in college, and he's like, cool, Dad, how do you get so high, like in the scores? And I gave him some cheat codes. I gave them some tips and tricks and things like that. And maybe you, you've played a game before. I used to play a game called Marathon uh, on the Mac, and Marathon became Halo, okay? So for any of you who've played Halo, I was like pre-Halo, like prehistoric Halo, okay? And you'd play these pixelated aliens, and you'd shoot them in the chest, and it was very fun. But I knew where everything was, so when I played online, I could cheat because I knew where all the power-ups were, I knew where all the special weapons were. And you've probably had things in your life where you knew something, the person you're talking to or the person that's in your class or the person that's, that, that, you, you're, um, that you have influence over and you're trying to explain to them all you have to do is, right? So I told my son in Galaga, all, well, I'm not telling you, forget that. I told him and he's, a good, he's doing well at it now, right? But it could be anything, I used to have an Oldsmobile Omega, this blue Oldsmobile Omega. And it was called, if you've never seen one, there's a reason for that. Um, anyway, uh, I had it and my parents would let me drive it. And the key, you could just pull the key out of it. You could basically start it without a key, right? And so what I would do with my buddies, whenever I was driving a new friend around, I'd pretend that I forgot my keys. And, uh, you know, so I'd be on the steering, oh, man, I forgot my keys. I, I don't know how, I said, hold on one second, hold on. And I'd feel around on the steering column. Feel around, feel around. And I'd, I'd hit it. And I'd turn the key, right? It didn't need any of that. It was just I was cheating. It was just like a special thing I knew about that they didn't know about. And they'd be like, whoa, how do you do that? I'm like, I can do it on any car. I, I was a liar back then, but I could do it on any car. You just give me a car. If I can just find the right thing and I hit it, I can, I can start, a, start a car. Anyway, it's a cheat. It's a cheat code, right? Here's what I want to talk about this morning and in the weeks to come. The Bible has given us a whole bunch of cheat codes. And they don't seem like they'd work, which is why we don't use them. They seem counterintuitive. Uh, they seem like um, almost magical, or they seem like they would apply to everybody else but you. 
This morning, we're going to talk about the most important cheat code I think you can have in your life. And if you're not a Christian or you don't understand the Bible or you're even struggling believing in God, you're going you're gonna to recognize this cheat code. And my prayer for you is that you would maybe for the first time open up your eyes to think, you know what? Maybe the scriptures do have something for life. Maybe becoming a follower of Jesus might be the path that I need to move forward to in order to mend my brokenness. The Chico we're going to be talking about this morning is forgiveness. And it's very difficult if you're trying to muscle through forgiveness and just have it go. So I'm going to give you a little bit of pre-homework while I'm gearing up for the sermon. I want you to begin to think about someone you might need to forgive. And that could be anyone. It could be a teacher from the third grade. Uh, it could be uh, your parents. It could be a parent. It could be a step-parent. It could be a friend. It could be uh, someone you've poured into all this time and all these things, and they end up leaving. It could be an ex-spouse. And what I'm not going to tell you this morning is that they didn't damage you. And what I'm not going to tell you this morning is that you should just forget it. And what I'm not going to tell you this morning is it wasn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal. It is a big deal. And you say, well, John, if you're telling me I don't need to forget it, and you're telling me it is a big deal, and you're telling me that that person did actually harm me, then what's the point of the sermon, <laughs> right? Because I've already got those three. I know those three already. But the cheat code that I'm going to open your eyes to this morning is one that you have to take by faith that it's going to work when you apply it. And so uh, we're in the book of Ephesians, and just to do a little bit of pre-homework, we just finished this series called Words, and what we were talking about was the difficulty that we all have with our words. Sometimes the wrong words come out, sometimes the right words come out at the wrong time, sometimes uh, no words come out when it really needed some words, justice issues, things like that, where you need to speak up, but you're too scared to speak up, uh, those things. And so one of the verses we looked at, which is kind of teeing us up for what we're going to be talking about, is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs, their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So this is the section of scripture that we're in. Paul is talking to a church in Ephesus. And it's really important to understand, especially for this section of scripture, that Paul is in prison when he's writing this. These aren't his memoirs that he's giving from Cancun. Like just sitting, he's retired, he's looking back over his life going... Some of this stuff needs to be written down because I'm really smart. No, he's in the midst of everything he's talking about. He's experiencing it. And more importantly, he's overcoming. And that's the important thing. That's who I want to listen to. I want to listen to people who've gone through what I've gone through and have overcome. 
I can sit with a whole bunch of people who believe the exact same thing as me, going through the same thing as me, but until I find someone who's actually done it, what good is that? Correct? So, uh, that's where he is. He's in prison. He's chained to a guard. He's under house arrest. So sometimes he's chained to a guard. Sometimes he's not or whatever. I don't know how you write with, a, you know, I would just say just chain my left hand so I can write with my right hand, whatever it is. So he, he says this, don't let any unwholesome talk. And then he makes this statement right afterwards. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've heard a lot of sermons, uh, not just my own, which are amazing, uh, but some other people giving sermons. And uh, I've heard a lot of things about this grieving the Holy Spirit, what it actually means. I am so happy that Paul didn't write out a very clear thing of like, oh, and by the way, here's six verses on what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because I think we all know what it means when we're in the midst of what we're going through. It would be anything that would grieve any one of your heavenly father, like your, your father or parent or teacher or whatever. You're just about to do something and you hear that still small voice from the Lord going, don't do that, don't do that, don't say that. And then you do and they're like, ah, that, ah. That's grieving the Holy Spirit, okay? So it could be anything. It could be anything. The way you know you're grieving the Holy Spirit is to be as close to Jesus as you possibly can and then avoid doing it. Now, he goes from there. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he just becomes preposterous, which is a lot of what forgiveness feels like. How am I going to forgive what they've done to me? And again... What they've done to you is real, and it's real hurtful, and it needs to be made right, okay? So he says this, Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, ver chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. This is the goal he has for you. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It has no place. If you're a follower of Jesus, bitterness has no place. Brawling, rage, anger, it has no place in your life. If you want to be angry because of justice issues, fine. Jesus was angry because of justice issues. When he turned the tables over, uh, uh, in the temple, it was over justice. The poor, the place where the poor should have been most welcome in the presence of God, they made it difficult. They put up barriers to knowing who God is. And so that angered Jesus, and he turned over the temples. Jesus didn't then start a ministry of blogging and outrage and what's wrong with the Pharisee system and how we need a new system. And he didn't spend his time on that. If it's not justice, then there's no place in the Christian's life, in the disciple's life for these things. Bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. There's no place for it. Because God knows that you're not designed to carry that over a long period of time. Now, you say what I would say to Paul, that's awesome, Paul. That's great. 
But if you heard my story, if, I, if you would let me just tell you what they did to me, you'd write a verse 32 that would say, the following people are exempt. And my name would be on there, along with Mother Teresa and other really holy, perfect people. That would be me. I'd be on there. If you heard my story, if you heard what they did to me when I was a little kid and couldn't defend myself, if you heard my story, you would know there is no way I can forgive. Some of you, some of you are having a difficult time forgiving yourself for something you did to you or you did to someone else, or a relationship you sabotaged, and you keep coming back and back and back, and for some reason, it feels okay to berate yourself, or to be upset with yourself, or to be angry with yourself. This is not a self-help sermon, okay? Matter of fact, nothing about this sermon will be, yay, everything's good, your life is great. What you've been wounded by, you've been wounded by. There's no doubt about that. But the vision that Paul has for you, and I know that it can happen because it happened to him. He was, listen to the people who left him. First of all, he was part of the pharisaical regime. So he had power and status and people looked to him and apparently he was so powerful that people could throw rocks at somebody and kill them and then they all just kind of, oh, you're doing great, Paul. They lay their coats down at his feet. He had this status. All those people rejected him. And so all the Jewish people that once looked at him and said, wow, they all abandoned him. The church, which he was trying to start in all sorts of different places, in Corinth and Ephesus and Philippi and Thessalonica, all those different places, they brought him nothing but pain, <laughs> nothing but hassle. Well, not the Philippian church. They were more like Living Spring. They were really cool. Uh, but these other churches, right, these other places, they were just, it was just heartache after heartache. One church was arguing over who's better, Paul or Apollos. And he's just like, ah, oh. and yet somehow he was able to do this. He was able to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. You say, well, how in the world do you do that? I'm not telling you to just forget it. I'm not telling you just that what you went through is nothing or you should go to another country and see how bad they have it and that'll make you feel better. Of course not. We've all been wounded. For some of us, our entire childhood was stolen from us because our parents couldn't figure out life. And so they went their way and you were stuck with all the baggage of their turmoil. Oh, that's a real loss. So what does he say? What does he say? How do you go from... Being wounded and bitterness and anger and malice and how do you get past that? And he goes into these three different things. And the third one is the most important one. If you catch all, if you catch the third one, you got it. Be kind and compassionate to one another. In other words, come with the perspective that 
the person who wounded you is not their identity. It's what they've done, not who they are. For some of you, you went through a difficult childhood with your folks, and that because of their brokenness, you got wounded. Because of the way they worked out their faith, right? You were just kind of drug along into that. Maybe there was unhealth there. Maybe whatever, you were, you were brought along into that. What Paul is telling you is we have to start looking at each other on an evil playing field. Even playing, evil playing field. That's not what he's saying. An even playing field. I'm going to first start out by just being kind to one another. Goes on. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. Paul is setting up an ideal that forgiveness is the cheat code. If you're going to get through your pain, if you're going to get through all the things that happened to you, forgiveness is the cheat code, and it's so hard to pick up because it's hard for us to wrap our head around the fact that it will do any good. And if you're looking for your woundedness or your brokenness to just go away because you say, I forgive you, it's not going to happen right away. This takes a process of just saying, God, I need your strength. I need your help. I understand I need to forgive that person. Just the beginning of there of saying, I gotta, I, my stepdad, my uncle, that teacher, that boss that maybe stopped you from moving ahead and that other person moved ahead and it's not fair and now they're vice president and you still work in the mail room. You at least come to the thing, I know I'm supposed to forgive each other. Forgiving each other. But then he gives this stipulation. And it's the stipulation that really Paul wants to drive home. How do I forgive those who've wounded me? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. We cannot pick up the cheat code of forgiveness until we understand our own forgiveness in Christ. Until we understand. Now, you might say, and I, I get it, you might say, look, I, I've done some bad things, and I need to be forgiven by God, but it was nothing compared to what they did to me. Nothing. That's where I'd push back. That our sin, whether you want to make it a little bit of sin, a big bit of sin, other whatever, damages our relationship with God. And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to ask for forgiveness, and then he died for us. He didn't wait until we came to the conclusion, oh my goodness, that's not when he died for us. He died for us 2,000 years ago. He died for the sins you're yet to commit. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just as Christ forgave you, be compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ. Uh, God forgave you. I've brought this up many times. I talk about forgiveness probably once a year. When my brokenness combines with your woundedness, it creates a debt that cannot be repaid. 
If you are waiting to get your childhood back, it's not going to happen. If you're waiting to not be wounded, it's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, for those of you who might be new to the Bible, or you're, you're like, you know, I, I don't know. Let's just take God and the Bible out of the equation. Even if someone comes up to you and says, I am very sorry for stealing your childhood. I'm very sorry for damaging you. I'm very sorry that you've been in counseling for the last five years because of something I did. Even if they come to you and apologize, they can't pay the debt. It's impossible. It would be I made this little thing when I was 11 years old, <laughs> okay? And my mom and my dad are going through uh, uh, a bunch of their stuff, you know, the garage and all that kind of stuff, just getting everything cleaned up, just, go just going through all those things. And this little clay thing I made, um, she, they're like, do you want it? I gave it to my dad for Father's Day um, when I was 11. It was an ashtray because he smoked, right? And when you're a little kid, no, I was seven. When I was seven, if my dad smoked, I didn't even think like, hey, you're not supposed to smoke. I'm like, what do you give a smoker? Well, you give him an ashtray. So I made this ashtray. So it was in my garage and I had it and it was like really cool and I was like really happy. And I knocked it over and it broke, okay? And so it made me really sad. And so an ashtray. And so I tried to put it back together, but I never could put it back together. And you can't put a price tag on that ashtray. I know, you're like, John, it's just an ashtray. Want me to go buy you an ashtray? No, I don't smoke. But it, that was the thing. This is what we're dealing with when we talk to our own woundedness. They can't put it back together again. They can't replace it. They can't fix it. But your heavenly Father can use it. And that's where he wants you. In this state of, I, I know I'm broken. I know I'm wounded. Sometimes some you're in a conversation with someone. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You're having a conversation. Hey, how's it going? What, you know, what about the, you know, what about the, who do you think is going to win the game? Blah, blah, blah. You're having this kind of thing. And, and then you leave and you're going on about your day. And you don't hear from them for a while. Then you text them and you reach out to them and you Hey, what's going on? And nothing. And then finally, you, you know, you call them up and you're like, look, I don't, what's going on? And they say, do you remember when you said you liked my dress? <laughs> uh, yes, I do remember that. Do you know how much that hurt me? <laughs> you know, no, I don't know. I can't possibly know. I, I came up with a lame example, but this happens all the time. When Two broken people are trying to relate to one another. It brings woundedness. It brings damage. And what we might be going through might be way worse than just a misunderstanding. It might be something truly evil. The Lord says this. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. The closer I come to my own freedom in Christ the more willing I am to forgive because I know what I've been forgiven of. Let me just give you a few things real quick. Um, forgiveness is this. Acknowledging who wounded you. Name them. They have to be named. Okay? You can't just say, I had a tough childhood. Now, 
If you've forgiven and you've moved on, nobody needs to be named. That's fine. I'm talking about if you can't get past this. You say, this person, my, I talked to somebody yesterday. Their mom was incarcerated for most of their childhood. And they just couldn't, they just, that's it. They, my, mom, my mom was incarcerated because of her lifestyle, and I missed out on having a mom. What's her name? We'll call her Sheila. Any Sheilas here? Okay, good. All right, Sheila. Name it. Or my mom, or my uncle, or that teacher or that boss. Name them. Acknowledge who wounded you. Forgiveness is adding up what they owe. Figure out what they owe you. You owe me my childhood from when I was five to when I was nine. I can never get that back. You owe it to me. And you know what? They do. You're married, you work your whole life, you're building this life together, you're going and going, and you've, you're, all, you're on the same page, everything's going great, you got kids, you got the house, you got a dog, you, you've, you've removed the cats, everything's perfect, okay, right? And then they up and leave? What's their name? What did they take from you? Oh, you took my dream of retiring together with this. Okay, write it down. Write it down. Write it all down. Everything they took from you. Acknowledge who wounded you. Add up what they owe. And agree with God to cancel the debt. You can't cancel a debt if you don't know what the amount is. If my bank calls me and says, hey, guess what? We've forgiven what you owe us. I'm like, yes. And they say, all $50 worth. I'm like, uh, okay, because I owe a lot more than that. That's not forgiveness. Just one little part of it. Even half if the bank, and by the way, bank, if you're listening, it's, yeah, just the whole thing. That's fine. Right? The whole amount your innocence doesn't have a price tag, but they stole it from you. And you cannot get that back. They cannot pay you back. And I say, God, this is who they are, and this is the list. I'm going to forgive them like you forgave me. While Jesus was on the cross feeling the pain and the suffering of everything he had been put through, doing nothing to deserve it, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because they're broken. And they have people that they should have forgiven, and they have people that they should have forgiven, and they have people who they, they should have forgiven. And these family of origin issues go from generation to generation to generation until Jesus comes in and breaks it. And that's what Paul is asking us to do. Use the cheat code of forgiveness. Now, if you're like me, here's what I'm thinking. If I let them go, then I don't have the chance to see them pay. Don't you want them to pay? I do too. The people who've wounded me, here's how it works in my own life. 
Let's say I get into a conversation with someone. I can do it now. It's been a very long time. I've never told this story before. When I first became a pastor, after about two years uh, that I was here, there, uh, the wheels started falling off in some relationships uh, with the, way, the decisions I was making. And so, uh, again, it was one of those things where I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? We used to talk. Now we don't. Whatever. And the person sat, down, <laughs> sat me down in my own office and um, said, you're the worst leader I've ever met in my life. Right? Now, you've got to understand, two years into ministry, I was still super insecure about how to lead, what to do, what do I even meet, what, who am I even as a pastor? That was never part of my identity. My identity was father, you know, uh, son of my heavenly father, you know, husband, you know, all, all those things. And then after 16 years of business, a businessman, I go into ministry and now I'm trying to fi figure that out. That wounded me so deeply because I was insecure. Now, if that same person came to me now and said, you're the worst leader I ever met, my first response will be, well, how many leaders do you know? Because <laughs> if they only know one, huh, that's not too bad. If they like train people in leadership development, then I got something to wor worry about. But I'm secure because that part of that, my brokenness has been healed through the Lord. You see what I'm saying? This is what the Lord is asking you to do. If you want to be free, use the cheat code of forgiveness. We acknowledge who wounded us, and we name it, and we add it up, and then we let them off the hook. Because the Lord knows our name, knows our sin, and let us off the hook. And we love to walk in that freedom, don't we? And we can never, ever repay. And they can't repay you. I'll give you three things real quick that help me. This is my prayer. And this is how I got over that particular situation, by the way. Help me love them. Uh, help me love them like you love them. In other words, unconditionally. In other words, yeah, I know they're all jacked up. I'm jacked up. Just help me love them like you love them. Sometimes that means, you know, it comes, at a it comes at the cost of justice being served for you. But you just say, Lord, help me, because I can't do it myself. Help me love them as you love them, and then let me see them as you see them. Oftentimes, haven't you noticed this? You don't like somebody, and then you hear their story, or you sit down with them, and you're like, oh my goodness, now I understand. Well, when we've been wounded, we usually don't do that. So we go before the Lord and we say, Lord, help me love them like you love them. Help me see them like you see them. And then this one, and bless them. Bless them. And when I say to bless somebody, I mean that the power of the Holy Spirit is infused into their life because the things that are broken in them that cause that woundedness can only be paid through what Christ does to bless them, to understand who Jesus is, to understand what they did was sin, was wrong. So just bless them, Lord, the way you would, would do it. As the worship band comes back up, I know this is difficult, but I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. I want you to find a piece of paper or a three-by-five card or whatever it is 
And I want you to name that person. When they come to your mind, I want you to name them. Joe. Pastor John. Write it down. Here are all the things. These are all the things. And be specific and go after them. Everything. This is what they did. This is what they stole. And furthermore, it did this, this, this. And take it and go before your heavenly father. And you say, Lord, I've been holding on to this for too long. They're broken. I'm broken. I want to be released from this bitterness, from the chains of bitterness. And then however you get rid of stuff, get rid of it. I burn. I put it in the fire. I'm going to do this this week as well with you. I'm going to write out all my things, and I'm going to burn those things in the fire. Now you say, John, I can't forget what they did, nor should you. But here's what I would say. Every time something comes into your mind, that woundedness, and it will, you're not supposed to erase your brain. You say, God, thank you so much for forgiving me. If I had done that, I would want to receive your forgiveness. I would want to feel your presence. Before we end with a final song, maybe some of you have never felt what it feels like to be forgiven by God. And maybe for you, you're saying, John, I don't really need to forgive anybody. I've done enough damage to myself. Put your name on the card. Maybe you've never gone before your heavenly father and you say, Jesus, I've wounded myself. I'm broken. I have so much sin and I think about my past. I don't, I don't deserve your love, your forgiveness. I don't deserve anything. I deserve what I'm getting right now. You're in the perfect position to be forgiven by your heavenly father. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And uh, you can join me if you'd like. Uh, maybe for some of you, you've never prayed a prayer of forgiveness to God before. Maybe some of you did when you were younger, like the, the young kids that are being baptized this morning. And you're like, I need a reset. This is all we need to pray. Jesus, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've hurt myself and I've hurt others. And I've hurt you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for breaking the chains of sin and death. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. That forgiveness that you receive, he then says, take it and share it. Be free, not only from your own sin, but be free from the bitterness that comes for those who have sinned against you. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, that no matter who's wounded us and how they've wounded us, you bring not only forgiveness for us, but for them as well. Lord, we release them from payment walk in your life in Jesus name.
not standing, why don't you go ahead and stand for the blessing. And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his mercy, and in his forgiveness, that you may share that forgiveness with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.